Welcome back to Confectioning on the Couch, a podcast where we host a weekly conversation about mental health topics through a Jewish lens. I'm Ash, I use they, she pronouns, and I'm an eating disorder and trauma therapist specializing in the Jewish community and weight stigma. I have lived experience of an eating disorder and childhood trauma and do community advocacy work for the Jewish community and, pa- and for fat positivity. And I'm Laura, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm a mental health and suicide prevention advisor to high schools with a professional background in special education and equity work. My personal background is in fighting anti-Semitism, advocating for fat and body liberation, and eating disorder and addiction recovery through the lens of my personal experience. Let's roll the intro music. Soft and cozy, space to today's episode, we will be talking about decolonizing our relationship with our Jewish identity. Today is Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Israeli Independence Day, which adds an additional layer of context to today's conversation. We are also extremely excited to be joined by our guest today, Debbie, who you might know better by their handle on Instagram, at Roots Metals. We know that she'll be providing a ton of insight on the subject, and we can't wait to get her on ASAP. As a reminder, if there is a topic that we're speaking on that resonates with you, please feel free to request to hop on the show with us. Content warning, this topic may lend itself to some triggering information, so please be cognizant of your well-being and take a break if you need to. As always, please remember that this podcast does not take the place of medical or mental health care from a clinician or a provider. Reach out to professionals if you need support. Given that this is well within Debbie's area of uh, expertise and content creator, I'm going to go ahead and introduce her now, and then we will bring her on. Debbie is an Israeli Costa Rican writer, educator, and jeweler based out of Los Angeles. She started Roots Metals, her jewelry and art brand, in 2018, drawing inspiration from her eclectic cultural background. As her business grew, she started using her platform to provide education on anti-Semitism and Jewish history, as she has academic and professional experience in this area. In her spare time, Debbie enjoys rock climbing and hanging out with her two dogs, Simba and Wally. Hi, Debbie. Hi, how are you guys? We we are great. We will cut that part out when we edit later. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you doing today, Debbie? Thank you so much for, for joining us. We're really excited to have you on. Of course. Um, I've had a busy day so far, uh, but I'm sure. good. <laughs> yeah, you have a drop coming up, don't you? Yeah, well, I've, I have had like 50 interviews today, so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> Not 50, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> but a lot. <laughs> well, I, for one, am looking forward to your upcoming drop. I am confident that this is going to be the one where I get something <laughs> before they sell out. Um, <laughs> This is, I have an alarm set every time. Um, <laughs> I believe in you. You can do it. <laughs> so obviously today's topic is, is a big one. And we know that, you know, you have a lot of education in that area. And we sort of want to give you the floor um, for that for sure. Uh, but I guess as a nice sort of soft lead in question, we can talk about, you know, why did you start doing this kind of work? I know we alluded to it a little bit in your um introduction uh but yeah anything in that area that you'd want us to know or expand upon 
Yeah, for sure. So my background was always um, Jewish history and journalism, but that's an aside. Um, <laughs> my background was Jewish history. Um, I used to work at a Jewish museum for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I worked for a lot of like Jewish publications uh, back in the day. Um then I went to grad school. Um, my thesis also had something to do with Jewish history, but I think I was very burnt out after grad school. Um, and so I decided to go a different direction. I had been making jewelry for a while and I was like, well, that'd be cool if I, you know, started my own business like officially instead of just like randomly selling things on Etsy. Right. Um, (laughs) so I did that. Um, it was kind of a break from everything I had been doing beforehand. Um, So I have been doing, you know, like Roots Metals, the jewelry part of it, um, since 2018, I want to say. I never thought Roots would become like a platform for anything Jewish, like, or anti-Semitism related. Like, obviously, my jewelry was inspired by my Roots. That's why that's my username. But um, Mm -hmm. more educational work, I never really thought I would be back there. Um, mm-hmm. So initially my following was more like an artist community, you know, other jewelers and stuff. Um, it wasn't really Jewish people. Um, and in 2020, something happened. Still can't recall what it was. I like, I say this in every interview, but like, I just don't remember what it was because so many anti-Semitic things happen like all the time Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was but something happened I got frustrated um I made a story about it I think my frustration was that you know being part of an artist community I people tend to be more like left-wing social justice minded and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw how much they would show up for other communities um yet anti-Semitism was just they wouldn't touch it you know Um, and whatever happened, I got incredibly frustrated. I made a story talking about it or like breaking it down or something. And that kind of blew up. Um, so a lot of people started finding me specifically for the, um, anti-Semitism stuff. And I was like, you know what? Kind of a weird combination, but, um, my Mm -hmm. artwork has always been inspired by my background. And so Mm -hmm. I decided to combine my platform and make it not just, you know, selling my artwork, but also an educational platform. And Mm -hmm. here we are. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I love just that like natural progression and, you know, just taking all these little bits and pieces of things that like you're good at and you love and bringing it all together. I think that's such a a beautiful little, beautiful little journey. Thank you. Um, I, it's such like people are always so confused, but it, it just mm-hmm. um, it definitely works. People have you know asked me why don't you just make you know a separate um, a, a separate account for the Jewish mm-hmm. stuff versus the mm-hmm. the jewelry, but to me like it's all interconnected. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I really resonate with that. Like, I my page was a food page um, that I. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I was sharing recipes that I was making in the pandemic. And then um, I realized, you know, if I wanted to be authentic and show my entire self, like, how could I make Jewish food without talking about what was going on in the world? Mm-hmm. And it 
it felt impossible to separate while right. you know owning that as a personal space. So just your journey really resonates with me. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's, it's a part of who we are, right? And it like seeps into everything. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And now that you say that, Lauren, just like kind of broadening the lens a little bit, I guess I did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I know, I know this is true for you. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, so, okay. Decolonization. Where do we even start, Debbie? Um, okay. I have <laughs> such a big topic. Like, <laughs> listen, I can't give myself credit for this. Uh, I have been learning about this as I've gone along. Um, I've talked to a lot of, uh, people who are both native and Jewish and they have Mm -hmm. really, um, given me like a path to follow in terms of like learning about this stuff. Um, I've come to understand that decolonization, I'm having a hard time saying that word right now. (laughs) It's a mouthful. It's not what most people think it means. Um, And I say this both Zionist or not, both Jewish or not, um, there seems to be a huge misunderstanding Mm -hmm. about what it means. And I'm not sure if you guys follow Marina. Um, If you don't. That's great. She's amazing. She's a... She's worked for the UN. She spent a lot of time in like Israel and Gaza and she is um she's native and she's Sephardi as well. Um she's very like um very involved with like um native projects here in the US. So uh she I think has given me the best explanation that I've ever received regarding what it means. Um, So all the credit to her. Uh, I can give you her account information later if you want to put it like in your notes or something. Absolutely. can absolutely add that along with yours. Um, I want to give her all the credit in the world. She truly talking to her and learning from her has changed my life. But um, basically the way that she describes it is that decolonization is the act of stripping off the layers of an influence of outside forces within one's culture. So it's not, you know, necessarily just about kicking out the colonizers or whatever. It's about returning to your ancestral identity and to a certain extent way of life. And I'm not saying like sacrifice, uh, you know, goats at the temple, but (laughs) (laughs) that's not what you're saying. Are you sure? (laughs) Returning to the, the peoplehood, I guess that you were before all these outside forces came in and changed that. Um, a way that I can explain it, um, I guess for me, because I'm Latina as well, it's almost like, say, you know, the Spanish came over to Latin America and uh, most people in Latin America have some percentage of native blood, Um, Mm -hmm. but they've been disconnected 
from that tribe or that native culture they've assimilated into, you know, Latin slash Spanish culture and like way of living. So mm-hmm. decolonization is not necessarily, you know, Mexico becoming independent from Spain, but returning to that identity that you had beforehand, before all these outside forces changed it. I, I don't know if I'm making sense. No, um, I- I think it makes perfect Perfect sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, you know, like, kicking out colonizers is surely a part of it, but (laughs) it it, it goes deeper than that, you know? Right. Right. No, it's about, like, the internal experience of of your identity and your culture. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, group as groups that have been colonized or uh, oppressed in various ways, so much of it has been stripped away from us. And I think something that's really incredible about Jews is – how much we were able to keep with us um, yeah. even yeah. through thousands of years of things being taken away from us. So I think that's really cool. Absolutely. And I, um, I, I know I've, I've done a lot of work with, you know, like indigenous groups that also see Jews as an indigenous group. Um, and they have always, you know, like all these native elders and stuff, they've always reminded me, how incredible it is that we were able to maintain so much of our tribal identity, even through all the um, adversity, because for a lot, a lot of tribes have completely disappeared, you know? Um, So it's amazing that we're still around and we still hold on to so much of that, but, you know, uh, decolonizing is fully returning to that way of life. And I say it not so much in a, you know, sacrificing goats kind of way, but just, identifying as the tribe that we were before that was taken away. Yeah. Um, one, Ash makes beautiful illustrations sometimes out of specific lines from um, from things that are said in these conversations as we record. And Ash, I'm going to need you to isolate down uh, Debbie saying sacrifice goats and <laughs> need you to make an illustration of that. And that's what we'll publish. Um, but in all seriousness, um, In all seriousness, I think, you know, you said something important, Debbie, that I think the three of us know, Mm -hmm. um, but not everybody knows, which is that Jews are a tribe. The Jewish people are a people. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I try sometimes in in these conversations to remember for myself that, like, there's a baseline that Mm -hmm. mine is higher because I have spent a lot of time learning and that's what I've done, but that sometimes people listening um, are coming into these conversations newer. So I just wanted to yeah. name for people that like the Jewish people are called that because we are a people, we are a tribal people and the returning to the way of life that Debbie is referencing, you know, is one that is rooted in the culture of the establishment of our people and, mm-hmm. you know, different cultural traditions that, um, you may be familiar with from different parts of the world had to do with the ways in which our tribal people were forced to spread out um, and developed cultures within that. So that's just me establishing a baseline, which I think ties into another topic that I know we wanted to bring up of um, Ashka normativity. Yeah. As well. Um, I think, you know, that's a huge topic um and people have different opinions on it but um always 
as I said, I was, I've been doing interviews all day. <laughs> I feel like I'm famous. I'm not, but, um, <laughs> earlier, you know, earlier I was doing this thing. Um, and they asked me, I guess what, like my biggest issue was with like Jewish education or something like that. Um, oh my God, it's so funny. that's one of our bullets. That is actually, yeah, that, that's like, we have question for Debbie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I said, I feel like there's a major gap because, you know, you learn about the Romans and the Holy land and then they destroyed the temple and then it's thousands of years later and it's the Holocaust. and you ignore everything that happened in the middle and so much of what happened in the middle is what happened in other places not just europe um and i do think that it's very important to to learn the stories of the jews in europe but um i i I think people are just you know when you jump to from the temple being destroyed to the holocaust you are giving the impression that you know that's that's what happened to Jews um, exclusively when there's so mm-hmm. much more in the middle and there's so much more, obviously, that happened afterwards. Um, I also think, in general, in the United States, the majority of the Jewish community is Ashkenazi. And um, mm-hmm. it paired with that gaping hole in Jewish history education and just not really being familiar with other... Um, Jewish communities in the U.S. specifically, I would say, um, people tend to completely forget there were these other experiences that are just as inherently Jewish as the Ashkenazi experience. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean one is better than the other, that the one one is more legit than the other, one is uh, whatever. It, it doesn't mean that. It's, it just means we need to give space for other stories. Um, and consider them just as inherently Jewish as, you know, the Ashkenazi experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I think too, the, the sort of problems around Jewish education, even within, you know, taking the framing of Ashkenormativity away for a second, even the stories of, you know, Jews who were expelled to Eastern Europe and who eventually, you know, were, um, their descendants were harmed by the Holocaust or murdered, yeah. slaughtered, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't hear very much. I don't think about like pogroms and like general stuff that happened mm-hmm. throughout Europe until we're talking about what led up to the Nazi regime and what led up to the Holocaust, right? Like there's, there's yeah. a certain window that they do, that they do just like explore, but anything before that, it just, it's like, it doesn't exist. Which is, which is so bizarre to me because it's like, how can you truly understand what's going on today without getting all the context? I mean, like mm-hmm. nothing happens in a vacuum ever. And so mm-hmm. um, it's so important to understand everything. I mean, the Holocaust it was horrendous, but it was the culmination of yes. thousands mm-hmm. of years worth of, you know, oppression. And you can't even possibly comprehend even the Holocaust if you don't understand all of that. So... So um, true. Right. And I mean, I'll just even name, you know, my Jewish education was so deeply lacking. And in so many ways has, I've been sort of forced on this self guided journey, um, because of that. Because I, people in my life ask me, like, 
you know, hey, Lord, like you've gotten really vocal in the last few years and you've, you know, always cared and expressed that, but you've gotten really vocal in the last few years. What changed for you? My grandmother asked me that when we went to dinner the other night on Yom HaShoah, my grandmother is a Holocaust survivor. And she asked me, why did you get involved? And I said, because I started to learn that there was so much more to the persecution of our people than the Holocaust. Yeah, and, sure. it, and I didn't know. And I yeah. was raised not to know. And I think, you know, most of my family does not know. And, yeah. you know, for multiple generations of a proudly Jewish family descendant from a Shoah survivor, um, yeah. to not know, I think, speaks volumes about um, why the general discourse today and around events that happen today um, doesn't include these events because a lot of our community also doesn't know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel, you know, people are always like, well, like, where did you learn this stuff? What's your background? And while I do have that background, most of the stuff I've learned has been on my own, um, Mm -hmm. which is so weird. I mean, like, even when I worked at that museum, I was saying, um, it was like divided into three rooms from what I recall. And, um, the first room was, you know, like Moses and the 10 commandments. And then you jumped right to the Holocaust and it's like, Oh, what's going on? Like, (laughs) how did we get from Moses to, you know, whatever Auschwitz? Like how, how did that happen? How did we get from Moses to Auschwitz? Like (laughs) I take it back. That's the line. That's That's the line. I take it back. (laughs) Like, I'm just, I've always been curious. I've always been so curious about Mm. that. So I just started looking on my own and from learning one thing that I would find out something else and I'd be like, oh my God, I have to explore that. Um, And for the longest time, I did all this exploration on my own. I didn't tell anyone, you know, I mean, I'm sure I would tell like the people in my life and they probably got like super annoyed, but like (laughs) I was just learning all this stuff and never really telling anyone and then when I got on social media and just noticed like the just ridiculous absurd amount of like ignorance not just from you know non-Jewish people but Jewish people and I have all this like knowledge like backed up in my head because I've done so much research um that I just felt like okay uh, I guess I have something to add to the conversation and to me that was what, what has always driven me yeah yeah, no, you're, you're you're spot on. I mean, I feel like these are the things that like Laura and I text each other when we're aggravated, and it's just like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, nice, it's, nice, it's nice to have space for it. Um, so you know, knowing all of this and and kind of holding all of this, how do you, whether you want to talk to the, speak to this personally or you know more broadly, how do you think um, you know connecting with our tribal roots, connecting with our ancestry, decolonizing our relationship to our Jewishness. How do you think, or do you think um, that affects our mental health as a community or, or even uh, the other way around does not doing it negatively affect our mental health? I think, you know, I can only speak for myself. Um, I find learning about, my ancestors because that's how I see it I see it like yeah. I'm uncovering their stories and I'm uncovering yeah. mm-hmm. who you know, they were and I you know sometimes I see uh 
Jews acted in a certain way. And I'm like, oh my God, their ancestors are like rolling in their graves. Um, and I don't, I don't want to do that to my ancestors. You know what I'm not, obviously not, not saying this literally. I don't believe that they literally are. Maybe they are. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but to me, it's super empowering. Um, but there's, you know, a flip side and the flip side is that the world is so ignorant yeah. and it can be very tough to know all these things and then just see people spread like lies. I can't call it more than that. Lies and propaganda, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that can really take a toll on you. Um, so I think that, you know, on a personal level, it's been incredibly healing to uncover these stories. I mean, these were people, I don't know, you know, what happened exactly to all my ancestors, but I know that they suffered, you know, and I, I I want to know that their stories and their struggle didn't die with them, you know, and for me, that's what this has been. Um, But certainly when you know all these things and you're dealing with the outside world, it can have a detrimental effect. And I feel like, I mean, it's up to each person how they find that balance or how they cope with that. And, you know, for me, it's educating, but for other people, it might look like not engaging, you know? Sure. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the best answer I can give you on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I appreciate you speaking from your personal experience because I think that's kind of all we can ever really speak to, right? right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, especially in this context. And, And I will agree, you know, for me... I think I had a lot of like identity issues growing up because there was just, you know, I'm Ashki and Sephardic and I, you know, we could argue, some people say I do look more like that side of my family. Some people don't, I don't know. But when I was growing up, it seemed very clear that I looked like the Sephardic side of my family and that that was an other, that that was something different. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, learning about, so much of the history that I didn't know about really showed me how much of Jewish history was representative of, of me and what I looked like and what I had experienced. Um, and that was so healing for me. And I think helped me put a lot of words to what I was feeling internally, you know, this sort of like, I kind of fit in with the, you know, sort of waspy people in my life but also I kind of always feel like I'm an outcast. I don't feel quite right. And some of that was also, you know, the intersection of fatness and queerness and other pieces of me as well. But mm-hmm. I think some of that was very much my Jewishness. Um, yeah. I feel like I kind of can relate to that on a very specific level because I, you know, I grew up in Latin America in an extremely Catholic country. Um, all the holidays yeah. are centered around catholic things you know like the, all the festivities of the country all the national symbols um tend to have very heavy catholic undertones or mm-hmm. overtones um <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> festivals for like this virgin and that virgin. um and so that was never for me because mm-hmm. i obviously i'm jewish right mm-hmm. um but at the same time, growing up in such a small Jewish community, um, I think I could be wrong. It, you know, it's been a while since I've lived there, but I think there's around 5,000 Jews in the whole country. Um, mm. I didn't fit in. I didn't feel like I fit in with those people. I didn't feel like I really fit into the community. Um, they just 
thought very differently than I did. And I feel like um, both exploring Jewishness on my own terms and what it means for me, not, you know, what it's like in the context of, of the community in that country um, yeah. was very healing. And also, you know, as I've grown my platform and as I've, you know, done all these things, I've also created my own Jewish community. And I feel like it's a mm -hmm. like-minded Jewish community. And that has been really special for me as well. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that's one of the reasons why we have this podcast. It's one of the reasons why I, absolutely. one of the reasons, you know, why I share what I do on, on my page. I'm sure it's true for Laura as well that like, mm -hmm. I, I think so many of us who kind of fall in within these sort of ideological lines, so to speak, um, feel not only outcasted, like sort of in our general communities, but also by the other Jews around us to some degree. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and so being able to find people who sort of sit within that, that Venn diagram, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Is, has yeah. been so, um, I, I mean, I know I'd already used the word healing, but it has been very healing and, Absolutely. And it has helped me feel less fucking like I'm losing it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Ash, I know I've said to you before that like up to now, never in my life have I had Jewish community um, and, you know, like felt that and felt that sense of Jewish community. And like you cut out. Hold ooh, on. You, you cut okay. out for a second. You were said that. Do you um, have me back? Yes, you're back. Okay, great. Um, yeah, no, I, I had said, you know, I know I've said to you before, but like never in my life up to this point in my life where I'm cultivating it now, have I had Jewish community? Like, have I experienced a sense of Jewish community? Um, I grew up in a town where I was one of like five Jewish kids at my entire school, probably less, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and I then moved to a town in pretty formative years, I call middle school formative years, where there was a very large Jewish population. And it was so drastically different than anyone I had ever interacted with. There was this very uncomfortable clash of classism and that just was overarching this entire town um, and wasn't specific to the Jews in it, but ultimately made it hard for me to find any level of community, let alone bond about Jewishness. Um, and I'm in a space now where, you know, Ash, I think the word is healing that, you know, I, I'm now able to do a level of what you've done, Debbie, and build some like-minded community online. Um, and that's been incredible for me, but also now having proximity to New York has been additionally healing, just being able to physically share space with other Jews has been an unbelievable experience um, that I, you know, really, I don't even know that I necessarily knew that I needed up yeah. to, up to this point in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's, it, you know, you were born into Jewishness, but this is like reclaiming it on your own terms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thank you for saying that. Like, I thank you for naming it because as you said that just now, I 
um, realized that that's exactly, I realized in real time, that's exactly what's going on is that, um, you know, I am reclaiming it in a way that I think has made some people around me really uncomfortable, actually. Well, Uh, and that's actually exactly where I was going to go with that, Laura, is like, why are people so mad at us for just reclaiming what's ours? Furious. Absolutely. Furious. Jews and non-Jews. Yeah. I just, equal fury. Yep. Um, I think that, I mean, I can't speak for other people, but I think that, unfortunately, for a very long time, Jewish identity has been politicized. Um, And, I mean, I feel that this goes back thousands of years. Um, And, you know, people feel very strongly about their political inclinations. And if you reclaiming your Jewishness contradicts their worldview, they can have a very hard time accepting that. Um, Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think happens. Mm. That makes me think of, um, so I had no idea, like we were talking about gaps in Jewish history. I had no idea of what happened post Holocaust in the USSR. Um, Yeah. No Mm -hmm. idea until like the last, I think that's one of the more recent um, gaps in my knowledge that I've started to fill in actually. Yeah, um, do you mind it, giving a really quick overview just for listeners who might not know? What uh, you oh my God, I can try. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to take this one. Uh, <laughs> do you want me to take it? Take it, Debbie, take it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just, like I said, I try to establish baseline where I can. <laughs> no, all good. So, uh, um, after the Holocaust, uh, Stalin was actually quite, uh, he, you know, he had a history of anti-Semitism, but, uh, right after the Holocaust, he was very ecstatic about the possibility of socialism in the Middle East. And, um, I don't know how many people are aware of that, but, uh, Israel, you know, and its founding was socialist. Um, no longer, but it was. And <laughs> you take this though, Debbie. Like I don't know any of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, you know, like the War of Independence. Like people are not aware that Stalin was like giving Israel like planes and tanks. Um, all you know, all these Arab countries came in, no idea the Jews were going to have all this stuff, but it was Stalin that gave it to the Jews. Um, but it was you know because of his political leanings, you could say. Um, However, uh, he very quickly uh, realized that it was just better politically to um, ally with the Arab states uh, for, you know, all the usual purposes uh, of geopolitics. Um, And that was that. Um, But also, as I said, he had a lot of he had a very deeply anti-Semitic past and he once, you know, he uh, gave up that relationship between the USSR and Israel. He got very paranoid um, because he believed all these anti-Semitic tropes and he started Mm -hmm. seeing Jews as a threat as many others have in the past. And the problem was that after world war II anti-Semitism was pretty taboo because it was obviously associated with Nazi Germany. 
And so he began an anti-Zionist campaign, quote unquote. But he was very open, actually, or uh, the USSR was very open that their anti-Zionism was just anti-Semitism. There's some pretty like out there quotes that were like in newspapers and stuff that were pretty clear that Zionism, Mm -hmm. Judaism to them was the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But this uh, persecution got pretty bad. Uh, So bad, in fact, that... um, most historians believe he had a full-on plan for like ethnic cleansing and possible genocide of the Jewish people in in the Soviet Union. Thankfully, he died before that happened. Um, <laughs> but even though it's just the was, way you said it, it's not <laughs> what you said. It's how you said it. I mean, no, he really he died like right in the midst of his planning and scheming. Um, <laughs> That truly is what happened. Um, so he died. So that never came to pass. But the legacy of like this anti-Zionist quote unquote persecution remained. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. for the rest of the existence of the Soviet Union, um, Jews were persecuted in that way. They um, were constantly under threat of being accused of being Zionists. Um, mm-hmm. They... A lot of, there was like basically a cultural and spiritual genocide. I mean, it was like illegal to learn Hebrew, um, even like mm-hmm. any sort of Jewish practice was that was allowed was very, very uh, controlled. Um, mm-hmm. Like if we're going to allow this much. Um, and life became impossible for Jews in the Soviet Union. It didn't matter if they, you know, did not practice Judaism or anything. Mm-hmm. If they were of Jewish ethnicity which is literally what the passport said, like this person is of Jewish ethnicity. If they were of Jewish ethnicity, you were distrusted. You might not be accepted into universities. You mm-hmm. um, might be removed from your job. And so the situation became impossible for Jews in the Soviet Union because they could not assimilate into Soviet society because they were othered for being Jewish, but they could also not engage with their culture because it was illegal um Mm -hmm. so they were like in this weird limbo and it got to the point where they just couldn't take it anymore and so they tried to leave um they tried to go to israel and of course the soviets did not allow that and if you even asked for permission to to leave you were immediately suspected of you know being whatever a zionist imperialist allying with the u.s or whatever um Mm -hmm. And so there was a huge movement um, within the Soviet Union and also, you know, outside, like, world jury, like, to try to get those Jews out. Um, It was a whole, it was a whole campaign. In the end, uh, it was relatively successful. Finally, you know, there was so much international pressure for the Soviet Union to release the Jewish, they they were called refuseniks. Um, a ton of international pressure. And then after the fall of the Soviet Union, hundreds of thousands of uh, Soviet Jews um, emigrated to Israel after they were finally like free to go. Thank you so much for that background. Yes. Um, I really appreciate it on behalf of any listeners who did not, I didn't know every piece of what you said. Um, and I've, you know, looked into this time in history. So I just really appreciate it on a personal level too. So to bring it back to you, Ash, where are we going? 
So basically, all of that to say, thank you so much, Debbie. Of course. <laughs> all of that to say, you know, you were saying before that that why why do we get all this hatred for just trying to reclaim our identity, right? That's that's sort of where this tangent came from. And yeah. um you know, you were saying that you think it's be partially because uh, Jewish identity is so politicized, right? Is that accurate? Yep. Okay. So what I was thinking was, this makes sense because some of our biggest sort of, like, if you look at, like, Twitter and where the commentary is coming from, it's, like, Americans who idolize the USSR and Stalin. It's, like, the Stalin mm-hmm. stands who just, they really hate us. <laughs> it's super bizarre to me because usually these people are like quote unquote like anti-imperialist or whatever when the Soviet right. Union was quite literally an empire but right. <laughs> it's all very confusing but yes anyway <laughs> no, um, just an interesting connection and I'm glad we had even more context for that because you're absolutely right um, that's just yeah. one spot where that online discourse tends to um, yeah. bloom yeah exactly it does it really does and I think it just it lends credence to what you were saying, Debbie, that like it really is about in some ways, obviously it's not the whole picture, but one one piece of it is that Jewish identity is so politicized. And that is not something that I think I've ever been taught in like Jewish mm-hmm. education. Yeah. Ever. I mean, even, you know, like right now in the United States, you can go to any politician's Twitter and they're probably saying mm-hmm. something about Jews either yeah. way the vast majority of these politicians are not Jewish. So I don't know if they have Mm -hmm. any business saying anything. Um, (laughs) But I mean, there was a point in time when AOC and Ted Cruz were literally arguing over who was more anti-Semitic. And it's like, what are you doing? You know? Uh, So yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, we're like a pawn sometimes. um, And it's frustrating because we just want to be us, right? Like we just want to be Jewish and that's it. Ooh, what what a place to what end it. I was line. literally yeah. just, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, I'm looking at the time. So how do we wrap this up? And then Debbie comes up with that. Like, okay, we're good. <laughs> we just want to be us. We just want to be Jewish and that's it. Yeah, I love it that. really shouldn't be so controversial. <laughs> All right, Ash, scrap the goats. Um, <laughs> There's so many times. Times. <laughs> Who knew I was so poetic? I it's great. It's great. <laughs> It was awesome to have you, Debbie. Um, thank you so much for your time. I, it sounds like you had a real busy day, so we really appreciate uh, you know you carving out some some time for us. Um, where can listeners find your work if they are interested? Um, Roots Metals uh, on Instagram. Uh, that's really the only social media I have, but um, I also have a Patreon. I have a podcast with another Jewish Instagrammer. Um, mm-hmm. I obviously, you know, like my website is where you can buy my stuff, uh, which is just rootsmetals.com. And it's all on the link tree on my profile uh, on Instagram. And when is your next drop? My next drop is June 2nd at 12 p.m. PST. Amazing. So everyone set your alarms because that shit sells out. <laughs> as as I know. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much um, just for your time and the thoughtfulness that you've put into this conversation. Um, we just really appreciate you sharing this space with us tonight. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye. She's so sweet. Absolutely. Oh, all right. Well, that was that was a great conversation. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for joining us today on Confessing on the Couch. 
As a reminder, we use the space to talk about difficult subjects, although today was a little more fun. Uh, and so it is of the utmost importance that you do at least one thing to take care of yourself today. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Like, as you said, today, is, today was a little more fun. And I'm not, I can't say I came into this conversation mm -hmm. with this topic expecting to have yeah. <laughs> fun with it. But I, um, you know, I think that that's one of the really cool things about this space is that, um, you know, when we have a guest on, they really help shape the direction that we go in, um, that we always have a topic list, but we don't, um, this is not scripted. It's never scripted. So, you know, we um, have that flexibility. And I think Debbie brought us um, through this topic in, frankly, a very cool way um, and a very engaging way. So I hope that anyone listening tonight learned something. I know I did. Um felt validated or at least interested. Yeah. No, we laughed a lot. I mean, we always laugh a lot, but mm -hmm. I definitely, I don't know. There was a different energy no, to this one. This. And yeah. And you're right. You know, every guest does, you know, help shape the episode. Obviously sort of, you've all heard us say the same beginning and end a couple of times now, if you've listened for two, a few episodes. So that part is scripted, but everything in the middle is really off the cuff. So Listen, Daniela came in last week singing like she I, did. It, that, yeah. it, that was so awesome yeah. and unexpected yeah. and something she asked us in real time. Yeah. She could do that. <laughs> so like, you know, I really just uh, feel so grateful for the ways that, the different guests we've had on have shaped the vibe of an entire episode. Yeah, absolutely. And with that in mind, uh, next week, we're going to actually be covering racism in the Jewish community, specifically anti-black racism with Tyler Samuels. And I think we're going to have a good time with that one too. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Tyler's awesome. So we're really looking forward to having him on. Um, and you can join us and come fetch with us about that next Thursday, May 12th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as always, this episode recording will be posted on the Colin app and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts later this week. You can keep up with me and Ash on social media. My handle is at the Healing Happy Cook, and you can find Ash at, at Bad Ash Therapy. All information will be provided in the comment section of the episode. A big thank you to January Sunshine for all the music provided in this episode, and the biggest of thank yous to those of you who joined us today. Good night, everyone. Have a good night.